Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. You'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome, and thanks for being here. I'm really excited to have today's guest on the episode. He is a dealer, a collector of cards, comic books, tickets, and even autograph currency, and anything collectible. Welcome, Brad, on IG, Outlook underscore sports underscore cards. Brad, how you doing? I'm great, Big Ken. This is uh, fun to be here talking to you. This is uh, two weekends in a row. Who would have thought it, right? <laughs> I, I told everybody, they're like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm set up over there with Brad. They're like, oh, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I would say at least you're hearing, you, you were on my left, so you were, your right ear is probably uh, in trouble these days, but it's okay, you know. Yeah. Kept you awake the whole weekend, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I always thought I had the gift of gab, right, until I until I set up next to you for for a three-day show, and I said, man, this guy's got me beat hands Yeah, you know, down. it's funny. When I was a kid, my father told me, he said, Brad, you're not, you know, it's already determined how long you're going to live, but it's not, you know, based on an age. It's based on how many words you speak. We're all allotted a certain amount of words. And when you run out of those words <laughs> is when your time has come. So, you know, I think I beat the odds probably 25 years ago. Yeah. But, you know, here I am still. Was was he doing that to try to get you to stop talking? Was that was that was probably not? He was in politics, so imagine that uh, you know he. Uh, oh, so I see where that gift of gab came from. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, so just start now. Just tell me, like, your a little bit of your collecting history and and what you collect, and and, and I know it's pretty amazing. I think people are really going to love to hear some of these stories that you have. I mean, I started when I was nineteen eighty three. I remember specifically because I had a, I can still see the stack of Wade Boggs rookie cards sitting next to my desk. I would have been nine years old back then. And I was obsessed. I was obsessed. Dale Drugs, long gone, Pleasant Valley Way in West Orange. We used to go there and the guy used to keep the packs in the back because the kids would swipe them. And we would go there and we'd buy our 83 packs or 84 packs as the years went by. And you go home and you pray for those big rookies and 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 eventually, you know, Mom and dad would take me to a, a shop and the rules were you could buy all the packs you want. You can open up all the 87 Fleer packs you want, but you have to come home with a Yankee or a Brooklyn Dodger. That was my mom's thing was a Brooklyn Dodger. She was more into sports than my father ever would have been and said, come home with something. So I'd come home 56 Pee Wee Reese along with my, you know, stack of 88 Mark Grace rookies. Um, but there was always something for later. And uh, I learned that to put away, you know, in all parts of life. You kind of, I tell the kids too, and I, you probably heard me over the weekend when they come up to the table, made all this money selling me a card. Now go put 10 or 20 or 30% into something that's actually maybe longer term, like an index or something or a, a CD. The card world is is truly amazing, right? When you think about like the journey these kids are gonna be on, but no one guided me when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, my mom and dad told me, here's a hundred bucks. Sorry if I was lucky, it was 20 bucks and don't piss it all away on packs. <laughs> so was it just you? Did anybody inspire you and get you involved in in these cards or all of a sudden just, you were just like, I, 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 want, I want to go buy these cards. I think like most of us, we have some, I'll call it a sickness because I don't know how any other way to describe it. Like we all have some compulsion sickness that draws us to these cards. And I think, you know, it keeps most of us out of trouble, but yeah. I think it's uh, the daily, the daily, even then to want to, you know, the buyer to sell, to collect, maybe it's a little hoarding. I don't know what it is, but even as a kid, I, I did it for a long, long time. Even as a teenager, um, my friends thought I was crazy, but I would set up as a kid. If you lived in the East uh, Essex County area of New Jersey, I set up back in the, oh man, so we're going back 35 years ago, set up in East Hanover, Livingston, 
West Orange, the hotels and temples would have shows I would set up. And uh, it was great. Not the same as it is today. They were much rougher on the youth than the the, mm. uh, the elder gentlemen and folks in the hobby were not uh, so friendly making deals with 12-year-olds. You know, you couldn't walk up to a table and say, hey, I'm 12 and, and be treated better. You'd actually probably um, be treated differently and not in a great way. So you learn all that difficult, but I think those lessons too, that I've learned actually helped me in my private life too, you know? Um, so you set up with cases. I mean, you set yeah. up, you had cases and, and these yeah. are the cards that you ripped. I mean, it was just, just prospecting cards. You were ripping. No, cards. no, 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 no. Yeah. I actually, uh, believe it or not, I actually went to the store and used to buy all my cards. I used to buy Roger Maris cards and Mickey Mantle cards. And I didn't really open up tons of those. Pat I did, but I used to collect, you know, what's funny. Ask me what I had at a show. You could never buy a Bobby Bonilla rookie for me. They were in the box at home. That was my gold. Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds, those were my treasure cards. My my Roger Maris, that was probably slightly off-centered and maybe had a little bit of a soft corner. You could have bought that for me at the show, yeah. which is amazing, right? Um, and that's why we probably all got sizzled back then because I think I still have all those Bobby Bonilla cards. <laughs> uh, I think I set them on fire uh, many years ago uh, yeah. in a fire pit. But that's, you know... It's, we all did that. I think we still all do it today. Yeah. It it it's interesting that as a kid, as twelve years old, that you started out buying cards and setting up and just being able to walk into store and buy a card. Now, I don't know how many you know. I don't know where you were getting your money from, right? But financially, it sounded like you had some money, right? You were able to go in and, and, and buy these cards. So you were probably two, three, four steps ahead of any other kid that, that was probably your age. And then you're getting tossed into, right, into a hobby where, where even then it was mostly, you know, much older guys, right? There wasn't a lot of younger guys in the hobby. I think back then, you know, when you, if you walked into a card show in the eighties or the nineties, most people, it was like a like a retirement gig or close to retirement gig that they were doing. And they probably weren't nice to 12 and 13-year-old kids, you know, probably. Even my um, parents were. They, they, my parents thought it was a joke. I mean, I got most of my money. You know, I would shovel snow with my around the corner, my friend Matt. My, we used to shovel snow for 20 bucks each a driveway in our neighborhood. And I would save my money. I would save it. And I had birthday money and holiday money and I would save it just so I could go to the, sh the shop. It was in South Orange. It was Bruce's house of baseball. I'll never forget it. Bruce, he was the best. And Bruce, he knew the rules. Come in, buy whatever you want. Got to go home with a Whitey Ford or something. And he was great. And that's, I would save my money to go into that shop. And you watched every dollar you spent too, because you knew you, whether you had money or not, mom and dad were not giving you extra $20 bills to go to the sports card store. Yeah. They would give you 20 bucks for other things to go out to the mall with your friends and buy some clothes or whatever. You were not getting $20 to go buy baseball cards. That was not uh, happening in my house. And were these guys trying to beat you back then in the hobby too? I mean, you go, nah, I feel like, like the guys that, you know, that you could talk to, even as a kid, I had better conversations in the hobby with the adults and the adults that were, were like this. I found that I was able to do business with them, but there was less of that back then. I felt like, you know, it was, a lot of older cranky folks and i think today there's still a lot of that they just can't say it because you know we can't we can't i actually i think the listen the, uh, there's all a food chain for everybody in this and i think thank god the kids are back in the hobby right because i said years ago how can these kids afford this stuff what a blessing last weekend to see the kids walking around with not just like their dads how about the moms yeah strollers like families walking around like kids that had never been in cards before they paid like 50 bucks to get in for a whole family yeah and they never bought a card before. Like that was pretty impressive, but yeah. we got to start somewhere with this. The kids, I think if they, these kids today, if they can figure out how to navigate the sports card hobby, I know it sounds maybe a little ridiculous, but if they can navigate this, imagine how far ahead they are now in life. Because like a lot of kids can't communicate at all. Face-to-face -face, eye contact. They can't. Yeah. These kids yeah. are making deals and face. I saw it today at the flea market kid next to me, 14 year old kid. He's with his uncle. He took this kid, cleaned this guy's table out, watched it happen. And I'm saying to myself, what did I miss? Because I bought some stuff and I walked away and I'm watching this kid cleaned him out. And I told the uncle, the most impressive thing in all of this is not that 
he just cleaned this guy out for probably four X what he's going to pay, what he paid for this stuff. But he did it having a face-to-face conversation and talking like an adult. I mean, that's what the kids are getting out of the hobby today. More, they're getting an education on that, which is way more valuable than the card, I think. I wish my kids would get into it. They won't. You know, it's interesting. Like, I talk to people, you know, like in the hobby. And and as a kid, I was a hustler, you know, from a paper route and mowing lawns and shoveling driveways and just anything I could, you know, to... But but it, it it's interesting that that type of a person ends up in a hobby like this, right? And a lot of people do. And 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 if you have the gift the gab and and you can hustle, you can do very well, very well in the hobby. And especially the younger you are, the better, the better. Because I mean, you know, I know, like people come to the table, you want to help these kids out, and you want to throw them a deal, and you want to you know do right by them type of thing. And you know, it it's it's fine when you see people say oh look yeah i give i give the little kids packs of cards or something like that but it's another thing when when the kid comes up and negotiates with you and you're like you know what man that that was good you're good it, it, that was good and you know what i'm 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 going to give you a deal here because i'm impressed with what you're doing you know and it kind of you know it just propels them all, along a little bit you know along the way those yeah. deals are earned and you know what yeah. i love working with the kids i mean I, you saw me that all weekend i love it uh, I think when the kids get a win and you're not talking about like a financial win, just when they walk away smiling. That's a win. Don't be the guy that sends them home thinking that they give them a bad experience. And it's yeah. going to cost you 10 bucks, five bucks, 50 bucks. It doesn't matter. They don't have to win per se, but make sure that they're, they're winning in their head when they walk away. They have to, uh, especially the, and you know, the kids that have been, that are 14 that have been doing it a long yeah. time. Yeah. Versus the kid that's walking up to your table that's really trying to make a deal with you, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We're adults. You know, we can we can lose yep. sometimes. I think. And I'm not talking again. I know everyone says, well, you know, it's easy. There's businessmen out there, and a lot of people, men and women, that own their businesses and they can't afford to do that. I get it too. But you make a deal with that kid. They're coming back, and yep. they're telling their friends, and they tell everybody, and you made their day. And I remember the guys that I bought cards from, and I'm 48 years old. Yeah. I, I I find it interesting that the kids that show up at the parents that have no clue, no clue. And, you know, like you're and you talk to the kid, you talk to the parents and the parents are like, it's his money. I, I know nothing about this, you know, and they and some of them step back and some of them step up because they're there and they want the child to go their their kid to negotiate and do things. But the parents are so afraid that they're going to get burned, you know, so they they start to question so many things. And and, you know, it, it it's. There were some impressive young folks in, in the room that day. I mean, any of them that I struck conversation up with, there were some very impressive kids in the room. I mean, I don't even want to call them kids. These are young adults. I mean, yeah. when you're walking into a room and you're dealing in thousands of dollars in cards and you're talking about it without batting an eye and sounding more professional than most of the people that you and I know, you know, it's impressive to me. I find yeah. it very impressive. I yeah. think, uh, and the money they have, the money they have to spend. I mean, the young kids, they have, you know, as long as the deal's right and they know the deal's right, they'll figure out a way to, you know, to 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 make that purchase because they know they can either, it's either a great deal to hold or it's a great deal to flip it. Yeah. They know. Yeah. Follow the kids, man. Follow the youth. They always lead the way. The youth always lead the way. You follow the youth. So you're in the hobby. You're 12, 14. You get out of the hobby at some point. Yeah. Or, and you get back in. I t- just talked yeah, yeah. about so that I, transition. I was, when I went off to college, I went to Indiana, which was a blast. But still, I always find my way once in a blue moon to meander into a card shop. Um, I really just kind of came. And when I came back from college, I met my wife, Cheryl, uh, a couple years after working as an advisor. I didn't have money to do it uh, in her early 20s. And we got married. I was, oh, man. So it's 2001 we got married. And we had three kids by the end of 2004. So, you know, my card hobby was, you know, buying legitimately Mark Pryor rookie cards on eBay. Um, and I think that's what I did for a little bit. Um, my my were wife. You buy, were you buying and holding those cards at the time? Yeah. But like, honestly, we're talking about spending like 10 bucks. I mean, like it wasn't even the money. I just, you know, you get three kids, you're running around. My son played hockey. My daughters are always off to something. I 
coaching this, that, and the other, forget it. And yeah. it's funny too. And uh, he'll actually get mad if I didn't say him. A friend of mine walks into my office, and you met him at the show, and you know him too, is uh, Fairway Sports Cards. He comes yeah. into my office in 2000, I work for a bank. In 2017, he comes into my office and he starts talking about cards again. And I said, Mike, get the F out of here. Like, you're crazy. I have a basement full of this junk from the 80s and the 90s, and it's worthless. And he's like imploring me, like, Brad, you got to listen to me. The cards are crazy. And he's telling me about patch cards and autograph cards and now he's talking about a Raz. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? And breaks, and these guys are opening up packs on video. And so I'm literally like almost like a bookie. I'm feeding him. You have to get into these rooms on Facebook, and I never did it before, and I'm not into technology. So I'm literally feeding him like these money to pick spots for me to try to win cards. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, it just the way you could get them, like, now, figured about breaking. I'm staying up till two thirty in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, watching these breaks on Break Breakers TV. And by the way, Breakers—they're also great for the hobby. They keep turning the cards, pricing, whatever. That's a whole other story. I don't get involved with that. I don't break. I don't open packs anymore. There are some very, very good breakers out there, like Wolf's Card Breaks. I haven't broken with him in years. He's a good dude. I saw this dude from the beginning. He's honest and he's fair. You jump in this guy's breaks and you're watching him at two in the morning, hoping to hit something and spending $15 on the Chiefs to chase Kareem Hunt and walking into Patrick Mahomes cards because we weren't chasing Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what was happening? And like $15 for it. I could see you now at two in the morning, like, damn it, another Mahomes card. <laughs> and I mean, there's some, I mean, there was one. The biggest, I mean, this is my favorite one. And, and we met the gentleman at National last year, his top shelf breaks. And this guy's a trip. I mean, if you go look him up on YouTube, I get into a, a serial number break for National Treasures uh, Collegiate. And I didn't even know nobody buys collegiate stuff, but it's NT. And it was like 100 bucks for the spot. Now, I didn't sleep that night thinking about, oh my God, I spent a lot. And it wasn't the 100 bucks. I couldn't believe I just did this. I fall asleep in the middle of the break. I wake up at like four o'clock in the morning. I watch the video and it's still out there. He hits like a Kareem Hunt one-on-one four o'clock in the morning. I'm screaming in the middle of my house. You got to see like my wife jumps out of bed. She thinks I'm dying. Honey, you got to see this. I mean, that was it. And it's just from there. It never stopped. I just, you hit a card and you find yourself just. You know, you got to be first in the room to get the Texans. You got to be first in the room to get the Chiefs. You got to be there. You got to, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about getting into a break when I jumped, when I got back into the hobby, I started the same way with breaks. And I, I had a, 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 and I was buying the Chiefs too, but I was a Chiefs fan. Okay. Right. So I, I, I was buying the Chiefs and there was, I think Clyde Edwards Alaire was the, was the rookie that year. Right. But I was just, buy, I was buying the Chiefs because I'm a Chiefs fan. And I had a, uh, it was a Panini Black, a Patrick Mahomes, you know, a smoke show or a mid midnight signatures. Right. So it was the, it was an on card auto number to 10, but it was a redemption. You know, so I did the same thing. I'm running around the house screaming. Everybody's like, you won the lottery. I'm like, you have to watch this. I replayed it over and over, over again. Over and over right? and over again. Yeah. Send the video yeah. to a thousand people. Everyone, oh, oh my yeah. God. yeah. Told everybody about everybody. it. Yeah. Showing the video to people at yep. work. Yep. So I did it. Yeah. I, never, I never got the card, Brad. Oh. They never, they never fulfilled the redemption. And, and, and then I went to the national this year and I went up there with that and asking them, I'm like, should I just take something else? And, oh no, no. I guarantee he's going to sign this card by the end of the year. I'm like, okay. And then we get the news last week that, you know, Panini, and I'm like, oh, there's I'm no gonna, way this guy's, this guy's ever, if he hasn't stopped there to stop to, to sign these cards, he's never going in there to sign a card. I'm still waiting on three Giannis redemptions. Uh, <laughs> With the Kobe redemptions, I had two. Uh, I got an auto. I actually have it. It's vaulted. It's I got one of those uh, yeah. the select. Uh, the one where they're like jumping and it's orange shimmer with oh, it's crazy card. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the, the redemptions, man. Stay away from those things. Those are yeah. bad, bad news.
So you started buying bigger cards though, because I know we talked about uh, 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 a Michael Jordan auto and things like that. So at yep. what point? At what point did you start buying these cards and just and getting out of the breaks and just buying the cards? So I just realized that like it was just you know you, you think about it, price points were much different. But when you realize, hey, I just spent two hundred bucks on a break for a case break, which today that's like that's dirt cheap. And we're not talking two hundred dollars for a case break of like luminance. We're talking. $200 for a case break of like NT yeah, professional uniform. Right. So we were buying top teams for 250 bucks for a case crazy. But then I'm like, even then it's the money. So I can take 250 bucks and I can go buy a magic Johnson, Larry bird rookie in a PSA slab for 200 bucks. And I can go buy a Connor McDavid young gun and I can do all. So then I started to realize like breaking is fun, pure gambling, pure gambling, and I then allocated my funds and realized it wasn't fun when you start getting your teeth kicked in for, and I, I will say my luck is, was uncanny with breaking. I mean, I hit a messy one-on-one auto. I hit some wild stuff, Mahomes autos and luck has been insane. Razzing. It's really was great, but there's a point where you, the numbers just don't work in your favor. Yeah. And the cool cards don't, you can chase the Edmonton Oilers in a break every day for five years, and you'll never ever hit a Wayne Gretzky or a Connor McDavid auto. Yeah. So, how did you get into the Michael Jordan? <laughs> well, that became more like a obsession of having extra money on the side, and yeah. you know, looking at these things and saying, "Why don't I own them?" You know. Yeah. Uh, and, so and it made more sense to buy the card than the than to chase the cards. Yeah, and and the cards I wanted, you can't get in packs. You can't get them in packs. You couldn't open yeah. them up. You know, like this. You saw this. You know, this was at the show. This doesn't. You don't get this in a pack. No, these no. types of cards. So yeah. you know these things. So, were, so just just ex because the people who are listening, oh, sorry, tell, tell them what that card is. That this was a. Um, this walked up to the table. This is a dual patch auto of Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier out of five. Both of them are three color patches from the Oilers uh, from a, one of my three or four favorite products from Upper Deck. And, um, you know, these types of cards don't come in. They are in packs, right? You can get them still, but it's impossible. And uh, the breaking is just too expensive. It doesn't make any sense anymore. The chase yeah. of the rookie and the value doesn't find attractive to me. It's, it's fun. Maybe as fun as getting like a stick in the eye. <laughs> you know, one of the things I found interesting this this past weekend set up with you is the cards that people came to find you with. Right. I mean, people were just coming all like saying, hey, you know, do you want to you want to buy this, you know, Trevor Lawrence card or, you know, Justin Fields card? No, they're showing up with with uh, Mike Trout, Otani, autograph. Yeah, I, I pulled them out next to me. I had a funny feeling you might bring it up. So I mean, it's just just the cards that people. So, so you like know, this one that walked up, this was actually, believe it or not, this is my favorite card of the entire show. This is a downtown pan, black Pandora. And these are not my thing. You know, I don't like the modern stuff as much. Yeah. But yep. Of Sean Taylor at a 25. And this walked up to the table. And I remember negotiating with the guy. And if he's your listener, he's probably kicking himself because he walked up to the table with that card. And he said 500. And even sh showed me the comps on another one. He's way under comps. I took a shot. I said 450. And he goes, no, no, no. I got to be at 500. And he put his hand back out to take the card. And I pulled the card back and reached into my pocket. And I took the money out. And he said, I'm making a mistake, aren't I? I said, probably. And I gave him the money and made him walk off as quickly as I could get him. Because, I mean, just this is super cool stuff like this. But I like this. This is what I like. I buy what I like. Because if it's worthless yeah. tomorrow. You still own it. Still own it. And you like it. Yeah, here's that other card you were talking about. Yeah. That walked up. Yeah, so that was uh, Trout Otani Dual Auto. What year is that? This is 2000 and second year, 20 or 2020, yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. You know, of course, you buy the card, then you go home and find out he's hurt. And now they're talking his contract's going to go down. So, you know, I don't care because, card, again, card like this, mm. we put it away for a long time, right, Ken? Yeah, so so 
talk to me because th this is where I struggle all the time. And, and I, you know, I, I, I pick people's brains about this because talk to me about building those relationships that people not walking up to your table with crap cards, but people are coming to find you with these unbelievable cards, like these cards that, you know, it's like a generational card, right? right. You know, to, to, to get a Gretzky Lemieux on card auto with three color patches, right? An Otani trout card, you know, dual auto. So these just aren't just, you know, people show up to my table and, you know, they, 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 they want me to buy cards that are, you know, like, just so unpopular, right? So just talk to me a little bit about the relationships you've made that people can find you with these unbelievable cards. I mean, I mean, first of all, it's a, it's the energy, number one. I mean, you know, I heard your last podcast, you talked about it too. You, you don't sit down. You stand up. Even how, I mean, my legs are killing me on Sunday. <laughs> but I didn't sit down the whole three days. And I know you could vouch for that. I didn't sit one time, didn't go outside, nothing. And I think energy people can sense it whether they want to say or not but also too you know i'm constantly talking to everybody instagram facebook text message just because i reach out to you doesn't mean i want to buy something or sell something and i told you this last weekend too the relationship always matters and i think you know in my if you look me up i can't really talk about it here but my site my my real life business is a relationship business and i find that you know, also it does help to have cash in your pocket. I mean, you know, and people know that. Yeah. So I do definitely express maybe not cash, but that I'm a, I'm a buyer. And uh, I think that because I'm not like some of these bigger buyers, I'll pay stronger. My margins can be a little different, but I put it out there to a lot of people. I'm constantly talking to people all the time and not always looking to make a transaction. Mm -hmm. So you want to call them friends, friendships, business relationships. I actually enjoy uh, communicating with the hobby folks um, more than I communicate with probably some of my family members, not the ones in my house, but <laughs> maybe some outside this house. Yeah. So, you know, and and some of my friends, like I'll give you, I'll say his name too, is Card Gems 0615. He's my friend Bunk. I've known him for seven years. We met one time in person at the National last year. We never met in person before that. I trust this guy with tens of thousands of dollars of my cards, comics, his advice, his opinion, almost like a conciliary for me. Mm. And we all need somebody like that. We all need people to, to have his confidence and are not looking to, to cut you. But, you know, always talking to people and, and, and finding out how to, you know, what to look for, when to look for it, and how to maybe communicate with people in a way where you, you know, they can both feel like they're in it together. You know, you're both winning. People bring me stuff. Why do people bring me stuff and take less money? There's a, there's a young fellow who's probably going to listen tonight. Hopefully he'll be a listener for you for a long time. And I told him he brings me stuff and he sells it to me probably cheaper than he could other people. Well, why? Because we have a relationship because he, if he goes and takes a hundred bucks more from you, Ken, that's great. But is it worth the hundred bucks to now what we've created? So now it's a two-way street because you don't want to hurt Brad because you know that Brad and I have worked together a long time. It helps me long-term. Short-term, it's tough. You pay up short-term, Ken. You got to pay up. Someone has to believe and trust in you that you're there for them. Most of the deals I did at the National uh, this past weekend, my bigger deals were from bigger buyers in the hobby in our area. And you saw who, you know them, yeah. right? Guys that make, the, listen, we need these folks coming in and buying our cards and moving the money around. Mm -hmm. They are like to me right now, lifelines for the hobby because they are keeping people liquid and probably losing money to continue to buy and give us all liquidity on certain things. Yeah. If yeah. you learn how to buy right, you don't have to worry about, stop complaining about selling to them at 72% or 75%. Buy better. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's what I've been trying to say. And that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, and And the way I figured it out was just buy really early before the season even starts, like just trying to figure out and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's doesn't work perfectly. Right. Because how many people want to sell their cards off season? You need to go out and find people for me. I need to go out and find people who are like, 
uh, I just want to move these cards because I want to take this money and put it in something else. And, and I'm your guy. Okay. I'll take those cards off your hands type of thing. But the people I see coming to you, right. Are the people I see at a lot of the bigger shows. And, and I know certain people who are bigger buyers at those shows right. and they'll come walk right by me, right. Go to these other people, just like that come to you. And I'm like, right. and I said to myself this weekend, and I said to you, I'm like, that's what I need. I need these guys like this coming to me. I need to figure out, you know, that, that relationship a little better. Uh, I'm a real, I'm a real personable guy and I'm always always buying strong, right. I'm willing to buy a strong buyer for sure. You're definitely a strong buyer. Yeah. Yeah. I think like for a lot of them too, like I give that, I mean, for me, it's always, you got to do the work, right? So you got to find the cards, you got to grade them yourself. You got to make your own margins. There's, there's no, there's no comeups in slabs anymore. I mean, like there may be the, let me rephrase there's the come-ups and slabs are harder these days. You need actual performance. You need things to happen with that player, mm-hmm. that team, something to happen, which really is hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So how do you make money in the card market now? I mean, you can't time the stock market. You would tell everybody and their mother, whether you did it for a living or not, you can't time the stock market. So you can't time the sports card market either. You yeah. have to buy correctly. If you buy correctly, it doesn't matter if you sell it too early or too late your margins are there you got to buy correct and it doesn't mean just buy anything that's nailed down i mean i said if i like it i buy it so part of that means like what does that mean it doesn't just mean oh that's a cool shiny card yeah i love buying cool shiny cards for a dollar but like when you think about the future value of that card Mm. and we also said earlier most of them will be not worth so much well what makes it worth well maybe there's a numbering on the back maybe it's a player maybe it's a hall of famer you you know just tell me somebody's got a pink mosaic to 37 out of you know signed on both sides in a dual mirror i don't care it's Mm. you know unless people don't value uh long term they have to put value in the right names and players or at least the commodity of rarity, scarcity, or whatever this word would be like, coolity. Is there such a word? Yeah. It's got to be cool. I mean, like, yeah. if it's not cool, who wants it? These kids don't want it either. Think about that. They yeah. don't want it. They're never yeah. going to buy like our 89 upper deck PSA 10 Ken Griffey Jr. rookies. Those aren't cool anymore. Yeah. So, and they have to know, you have to know what they're buying because I've seen you go through, go through these boxes, right? People are bringing you these boxes and you're just picking through. And, and, and to me, a lot of those cards, you know, they, they, you know, one card doesn't mean that much from the next card, but you knew, I mean, and it helps that you really knew your, you know, like, you know, we would, if you were going home tonight and you and your wife said, Hey, you know what? We need a new mattress. Well, you and your wife, you're going to spend days and weeks researching every mattress and every company and every type of spring and foam and the pricing and the financing. And how do we, months and then you're maybe not even going to buy that mattress <laughs> but you're going to walk into a card show with ten thousand dollars in your pocket and you're going to know nothing about what you're about to do on most of these things but you're going to walk up to someone's table and you're going to plunk this money down based on a conversation of two people that you've never met before off of things that you're looking through a glass case i mean do your research do your homework the deal there's yeah. never a card show you can't go to and find somebody that's not willing to make you a great deal or a box that you can't find a card in. And again, that's not for it wasn't for me mm. always. It just became a thing for me. Become a little bit more like mental. I enjoy it. Digging. Yeah. But people got to put the muscle in, you know, walk into a card show with five grand and not knowing what you're digging for, what you're looking for. When you look in a showcase, when you look at someone's box, you know. Yeah. You make a lot of mistakes if you don't. I mean, I tell people all the time the best mistakes to be made are here. It's good to learn them, make them early. You know, you're going to make tons. I make them. I mean, Ken, I make mistakes every time I make a deal on a daily basis. I definitely think I made a mistake sometimes. You overpay. Mm. Did you buy the right player? Why did I do that? It happens. Yeah. If you like the card, who cares? Like the player, like the team. But there's still that little bit of. You know, when you spend good money on a card, you're still, you know, I go buy like a Burrow or a Mahomes or something like that, a higher end card. There's still that you're driving all the way home saying, man, I just hope this was a good decision, you know, that I, I did that all the way home with this card the other day. And of course, then it got hurt. And like, <laughs> But, you know, again, is if you're in it for a business, you know, this is a 
tough business if you're not willing to do the work. I would tell anyone that's listening out there, because I've been at this for on and off for 35 years. There is no free lunches in the card hobby because everybody, it was different when we were younger, right? You had the little Brooke, the Beckett, the guy, the little, whatever those CC, this was a CCM, CCP or something, the little magazine. Yep. Get the print on your fingers. And you would pray every month that the little arrow is pointing up on your card and that dealer would then give you the low bottom and then tell you half price. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> Kids know the comps on the card before you even open your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to do your work. You got to find the dollar. The margins have to come from you. Yeah. And they don't want to, they know what the comps are. They don't want to pay the comps. I'm going to tell you right now if a card is $250 and the last five sales were two, 249, 255, 260, 272. I mean, the best offer you're getting on that card is 220. And you know what's funny though? If you if you got that 220 offer and you could get it a little higher, you know, where you were happy, 230, 235, which still might be a little off for somebody, if you bought the card right. Yeah, it's fine. It works. I tell people every person that walked up to my showcase, I'd say, I'm not a museum. I'm here to sell cards. If you don't like my price, the worst thing I'm gonna tell you is no. Yeah. And I counted almost everybody. I tried to make people buy the cards. I didn't want to take them home with me. I was happy to take lesser profits and put the money in my pocket and go home with it. And I have two kids going to Rutgers next week. I mean, you know. <laughs> I know that was, that was your thing all weekend. You were making tuition payments, which, which I truly believe you you planned way ahead for those tuition payments. But, yeah, it was nice. It was, you know, it was, it was nice to be able to, to, to make fun a little. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it's, uh, all kidding aside, I don't know if I have two of them. One um, costs very little to nothing. Oh, sorry. I have someone passing me a fresh cold drink. Um, nice. One who probably one got into Syracuse and turned it down. And thankfully, that same one did not get into NYU. And then I had another one who um, Rutgers NJIT. And uh, was easy choices, so I got lucky. I got a two for here, but uh, yeah, yeah, the cards are helpful. You know, for me, honestly, I, I I said it too. It's like a guy. It was like a golf weekend without the golf. It was really a good time. I had such a blast. I was so excited. I still like not talking about it like here, but like I still tell my wife and my kids like just the people. The I did say the lack of odor in the room. Uh, I wasn't downstairs a lot for the the heat. Yeah, well, we had great air, cold air conditioning upstairs. We we had nothing to complain about up there. We, I mean, it was almost not fair. We had VIP treatment with you know, of course, with John. Uh, and I'll talk about John in a minute too. I'm sure we'll get to him because you're going to get to the journey. He's a big part recently, but yeah. we were like by all the athletes and all the signers by the stage, man. So we were like, first of all, the action by us was insane. Everyone was coming. I mean, we saw people five, six times in the day. Yeah, they just kept coming back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, you know, and and all kidding aside, I know a lot of our friends were in the side rooms and downstairs. And I can totally see it. I feel it for them because we saw people every half hour, forty five minutes walking by. They were not doing that in the basement and and in the side room. So I do understand that uh, there. I think maybe the promoter needed to do a better job of letting people know about that. But besides the point. Man, we had a great spot. That was great. That was just, yeah, yeah. That was a blast. I would do that again. Well, not, not every weekend. That was. Time. And, and you're picky, right? I mean, you don't set up at all the shows because I know, I know, I've seen you at, I met you at shows that you weren't set up at. No, either. helping out John for fun. It's volunteering, yeah. just because I wanted to be around the people and, yeah. you know, you need a place to kind of hang out. Never brought my own cards to sell. Just help John sell his cards. You know, just yeah. play, have fun, and uh, I um, let's see, this is my. Th so this was my third show this year, yeah. my only my third show. And it was my third show in about 35 years also. Oh, so, really? So it's been that long since you've set up. Yeah. So April, I set up in Babylon with John behind yeah. the diamond. Yeah. Uh, John's shows are awesome. That's a really, I mean, I am picky about where I set up. Um, John has a great room and he does a good job with that room. I like the show, the flow and the money that came in, the people, the buyers, what what is it? How long does it take you to get to Babylon from 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 Jersey for me Shore? from from Pine Pleasant Beach? It took me it takes me about an hour and oh man, almost an hour and a half hour hour forty five. It's it was worth it. My first show in April, I went there. I wasn't. 
I mean, I know cards, I know comps, I know pricing, but you know what? Anyone who ever says, oh, I could be a card dealer, I can't say certain words in here. They should stick it because like what you guys do on a week, for the ones that are doing this on a weekly basis that are trying to make a living doing this, I do not, I am jealous that I could be, wish I could be around cards every weekend like that. But man, I don't envy you guys because that is hard. It is work. There's nothing easy about dealing with the public and yeah. schlepping all this stuff and being on it. Yeah. But I didn't know what I was going to do or walk into. And you know what? John's customers, a couple other vendors, um, they're great. They're almost like a couple of the buyers. Stu. I don't have Stu's eBay, but Stu, if you're out there, he's the best. Like, Brad, use this, do this, check this out. Next thing you know, I I know the prices. I'm checking myself. Me and Stu are doing a, a large deal. My first show in April, I did $7,000. Larry who was right behind me at that show set up. And I never met Larry before ever in my life. And you would have thought we were best friends after last weekend. I think Larry, like we joke, Larry, I think thought I was selling crack. Yeah. My man, Larry, what's yeah. he selling over there? What is Larry selling? Like what's Brad selling over there? Yeah. And my buddy's with me who doesn't say much of anything. Just sitting there, just kind of like manning the table. Next show comes around in May set up again, whole new array of cards, by the way. Never the same inventory. And some some overlap. Now I go and a couple guys, bigger deals. Stu comes again. A couple other guys are buying. Big cards move. I did ten thousand mm. dollars. People in the room are going, ten grand. That's like a national weekend type show for yeah. an eight an eight foot guy who doesn't do this. And I and I'm not wasn't bragging. I mean, I had to write inventory and I priced it correct. And I made good deals, but Said, you know what? Now I'm down the shore for the summer. I'm not doing this in the summer. There's no chance I'm going to sit in a room with a bunch of like I make fun that we all smell. <laughs> I'm not going to do it in the summer where the heat is amped up and forget yep. it. Yeah. And then John, I mean, like John uh, had and I. I don't know what it is. Like I have this when he talks to me, he doesn't say a whole lot, but I just like have faith in what he has done, and he's done it quietly, right? John is not a big boisterous guy. He's got his own YouTube channel, but I just like the way he operates. He builds it up and just sells. People are coming to these shows mm. to buy cards from John. Yeah. Well, he's been doing it since what? Since the 80s? You know? And we're talking about John uh, on Instagram at Behind the Diamond. Diamonds. Yeah. John, I mean, you look at John, and by the way, we're not going to mention John without mentioning Donna. I mean, right? So... <laughs> The brains of the operation. The, the entire brains of the operation. Probably loves spending a weekend with all of us, I'm sure. <laughs> Just when you hear his passion for cards and you hear the way he talks to the customers. And I know when people walk away, we're all like, we're tired. But he just loves the cards. He loves yeah. it. And I, and I had no intention of ever setting up for the couple of years I was even showing up and just helping him for the day. Mm. But I love cards. Yeah. And I like to talk. And you were buying cards then too, though, right? When you show oh, up. So, so, and I was going to ask you now that you've set up a few times and you were doing more buying for the most of the time, where it, like, if you had to say, I want to be on this side of the table or that side of the table, where, where do you, where do you think that, what, what do you think? What would your, I like being on the side of the table, uh, that we were at in white plains, honestly. Yeah. You like to sell, you like to be the seller, to be selling there. I, 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 I do that, you know, you know, in a sense for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think just. For my personality, I think maybe it's just my my craziness, just mm. the interaction with people. When you walk up to a table, most people don't have energy. Most folks, you know, you're they're always pleasant. You never hear. I had zero bad experiences, by the way, with anybody, dealers or customers. Mm. Uh, everyone doesn't always have energy, and you know, doesn't feel the same way. And 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 I love being on that side because I think I do something a little bit different, but yep. I couldn't do it every weekend. Can there's no chance? I don't. Yeah. I can. I mean, it's. I was up two o'clock this since I. I don't know. I four hours sleep this morning. Uh, today, I'm up all day, and I feel like I'm full energy. I can go all night, but tell me to do it seven days a week like this, man. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And we're retail. You know, when you're selling cards, I. You know, don't forget if you walk into any of your favorite fast food joints. And, you know, I don't eat meat and I ordered a, some fish sandwich. They put bacon on it. <laughs> You're going to go in that store and maybe not me or maybe, I don't know, maybe 
you're gonna like yell at them and where you put this bacon on my sandwich and you're gonna you know we get treated the same way on that side and some can like you know little times people can be if they chose to be difficult hmm. um but i like that side better man because all the cards yeah. came up more cards i the best cards i saw at the weekend were the cards that walked up to the table i mean i know there's yeah. some 52 mantles in the room but i've seen 52 mantles I've seen a lot of those cards. I've never seen some of the stuff we were seeing. No, a lot of stuff. And, and it's interesting. So on my episode recapping that show uh, that I dropped on Monday, you know, I talked about some of the people saying to me that, you know, they, they would rather be on the other side of the table now. Uh, and some cards that I sold to people that I, when I went walking around on Sunday, I saw them in other people's cases. And I said to the other dealers, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I just sold that card. And, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about it. Uh, and then I had some, some people reach out to me and say, you know, that they would rather not be dealers. They would rather be walking the show and they, and I'm going to tell you word for word, and I'm not going to say who said this, but you know, one person said to me that, you know, all of a sudden, dealers in their mind have have are convinced that nobody's going to buy those cards at comps. So whatever the comps is on those car on, on a card, nobody's going to buy that buy it at that comp. So being on the other side of the table, if you know a card's comps is two fifty, you're going to walk up and say two hundred, and you're just going to continue to do that from table to table. And what they're finding out is more often people are starting to accept dealers are accepting those offers. They're, they're selling those cards, whether they're into it really good, right. At a really low value that they're making money or they're just happy to be selling some stuff. Sure. Um, There's a lot of FOMO out there too, right. You know, like what's the next thing they need money. A lot of folks obviously are, you know, this is their business and what they do and they can't take less, but, you know, sometimes you got to move that card. If you don't take a little less, you're not going to sell anything. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a, it's a tough line to play. You know, then you're going to set up next weekend. You need more inventory. What's going to come in front of you. And mm. if you sell this card today, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, folks are just trying to, you know, they're trying to make as much money as they can on every single deal. Yeah. When you're on the dealer side of the table, you have to have a good balance. I mean, obviously, I love walking shows. I mean, I love walking shows. I love going to shows and walking. I love digging in boxes. I love finding stuff. I find that most dealers don't. The number one thing I hear them say is I don't have time. Yeah. This is I, don't have, I don't have patience. I don't like, like I've started going through some boxes and then I find myself like, you know, when I'm at shows, I'm mostly set up as a dealer. Right. So when I'm going out and looking, I'm kind of walking and I'm looking and I'm looking for the things that I'm interested in buying. And I'm kind of because I don't have a lot of time, you know, like I'd say to you, hey, Brad, watch my stuff. I'm going to take a quick walk around. But in a show like East Coast National, it's a big show. There's three rooms. I mean, I can't leave you for an hour or two hours at my table. I, I've got 10, 15, 20 minutes tops. So I got to rush around. So I don't have time to dig through boxes, you know. So when Maybe I go schedules to change, Maybe find time in a schedule. Hey, I'm not going to set up this weekend. I'm going to dedicate this weekend to going yeah. and buying. I mean, your business has to have cards come in and yeah. you yeah. know, you I, have to do I have to do that. I have to find shows to walk because I have to go find inventory and then I'm home during the day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a retired teacher and I have, you know, I, I have a computer business, but between computer jobs, I'm home on, I'm going through marketplace. I'm going through all these places, like, you know, trying to find, trying to find deals, right. Trying to find, uh, you know, making, making some of those connections. I had a, I had a really good connection of an LCS, the guy that had a, a store like 10, 10 minutes from me. Uh, and for, you know, a year and a half, like people were coming in and he would call me and say, Hey, I got this guy with, you know, this, you know, Mac Jones collection or this collection or that. And I, like, he wasn't prepared at some, you know, the, the business was slow for him and he wasn't prepared. I, and every time he called me, I'd be like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Right. I, I right, figured right. out a way to get there and, and go down there and work all these deals. And then when, when uh, he closed the store, I'm like, Oh, you know, there, that, that's not when you have a contact and then, yeah. or somebody else finds out about him or just, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried, I was like, I was like, how can I buy this store and just leave you here to call me when people show up like this? Right. I mean, how, how can I make this work? And I, and so, 
And some of these LCSs I walk into and I look around and they hardly have any cards in there and they're booming. And, and I know it's I know it's the cards that are coming through the door. That's their main business. But you, you got to find the time. I mean, honestly, Ken, like I spend more time walking and buying. And for me, how am I having these bigger shows is because I'm not setting up every weekend. Yeah. I mean, think about like you're grinding out five, six, seven shows all over wherever. I don't know where the heck you go. You're in Connecticut. <laughs> you're in Virginia. I don't know. You guys are all over. Yeah. You and the therapist, you guys are all over the place. I'm doing, and I know our inventories are different, and we have different types of, 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 of backgrounds with cards and whatnot, but, you know, I'm coming to a show once a month. When people come up to the case, they know most of it's different. I've been accumulating and, and building up an inventory of quality things at decent prices, putting in some orders or grading. Even if they come back sixes, it happens, right? PSA yeah. doesn't, it's not, listen, if it's rigged, it's rigged. I don't know. I've been getting plenty of nines and tens and yeah. BGS cares yeah. end of the day now I, I mean i could show you i could flip it around but i mean i have stacks of cards prepped like here ready to go grading always ready to go yeah. but if i'm set up at a show every weekend how are you gonna do that yeah and you can't, you can't. and you have to great and i'll tell you what we both talked about this grading is really the way to go just being able to find great cards that people like and and you know just keep grading them and and you know that that's where you can that's where you make that's where you're gonna make your money and, yeah. and, you know, people, and I, I don't believe this all the time because I've hit so many good successful transactions with people, bought cards that have graded out tremendously for so many years, but you got to think a lot of times, sometimes when raw cards, big raw cards walk up to you or cards you might be interested in, you know, again, do your homework, look at the card. There's a reason sometimes why that card is walking up to you raw. There's a reason why, do you know that that card, did it come pre-sealed from panini or tops or whatever did you know about this product because there's a good chance that sometimes people will walk up to you and sell you things and you're like hey wow look at this great deal i just got on this beautiful card and you send it to bgs you're gonna get an eight with a nine auto and they won't even grade the auto anymore yeah so it's not even just buying right too you got to know your products you got to know people have yeah. to spend the time and it's so difficult because you can't just focus on focus on the modern card Modern cards, yeah. and, and you know, you know, there's cards out there, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes autographed rookie card, right? You know, that's been graded. If it's showing up raw, I mean, somebody, everybody's graded that. That may have been graded three times already before it's even showed up at your table, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean like, you gotta you, know. when, we're, when we're looking at prospecting cards, right? That's where you can honestly say, oh, uh, this card just got packed old, or somebody just got it back from a break, or something like that. So you have an opportunity, like maybe it wasn't graded yet, but there's the best value in a hobby. You had it last weekend, Ken. You were all over it. The best to me, the best value in a hobby is a young gun, upper yeah. deck young gun. I mean, listen, I know every year is different. I don't, I'm not a big pop report guy and then grading percentage rates and, and gem rates, but I'd be willing, I'm sure your audience, they're, they're probably great fact checkers. I'd be willing to guess that, you know, other than maybe modern tops, chrome, baseball type stuff, I would think upper deck young guns, other than that hiccup year with Laffy. They had a terrible uh, product uh, with the uh, production quality. Young guns do very, very well with PSA. They get a lot of tens. They grade well. Yep. Usually, they don't cost a ton of money. There's and, always and that's, and that's the thing. It's the it's the price point on that. Like a lot of people like hockey. Yeah. A lot of people want a young guns, and most of the young guns are what they're around the hundred dollars, one hundred twenty five, one hundred fifty dollars. Young gun from ten years ago of a decent player from the Flyers is going to be eighty to hundred bucks, and you can probably buy these young guns in boxes, two, three, four, five bucks. If you walked up to a table and you took twenty of them, you could probably get them even cheaper. Nobody wants to grade them because at twenty five bucks a pop, if they come back a nine, you're not in the money. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can have the ability it's to look at it and figure it out, it's you can hit young yeah. gun, and they're such a staple in the hobby. I mean, you could throw up a young gun on eBay all day long, and you know what? They'll always sell. PSA, yeah. I've had that box at the table. PSA nine young guns, all my misses. Just take them for losses, but they're gone. People love them. Yeah. To me, yeah. it's my favorite card in the hobby is a young gun. Yeah, it's the and there's so card. many of them too. I mean, there's so many people that don't hit. I probably from 2019, 2020, 21, 22, I probably have 250 young guns that are I'm like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm, a, I'm not, a, I hate to say I'm, I'm probably going to get abused. I'm a devil's hater. Um, but Jack Hughes is for real. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not a, I am a huge Jets fan and I despise the athlete named Tom Brady. 
but I would own a Tom Brady card and I still own many Tom Brady cards. So never let your, your emotions interfere with your wallet. We don't yeah. be stupid on that stuff, but I, uh, I do think Jack Hughes for anyone that's listening out there, even the ones that know I'm a big Rangers fan, he's going to be a big problem for the Rangers for a very, 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 very long yeah. time. You know, I started buying a lot of his stuff up and, and you saw, I bought from your, your buddy there. Um, and yeah, I bought one for me too. Ran around the room, yeah. buying his card. You took it off my hands thirty seconds after I had it. Yeah, I bought one from you too, and I've been buying a lot of his. And I'll tell you why. Like we were there, uh, you know, we're we're in New York, we're in Westchester, and I hear kids coming up, and they're saying, like you said to a kid, "Hey, who's your favorite athlete?" He goes, "You know, who right, like who, of all time or right now." And kids were saying, like, they love Jack Hughes. These kids were, I mean, it's these, these young kids, these 10, 12, 14-year-old kids, they love this guy. And I'm like, you know what? I, I need I need to find as many of these young guns as I can and just stockpile them for a while and 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 break them out in a few months. Because I had a few Jack Hughes. And I do a lot of New Jersey shows. I do the last yeah. shows down in New Jersey. And, uh, yeah, I sold them all last year. And they went very quick. People love those cards. So. Yeah. He has two things going against them. He plays for the Devils, and he plays for the Devils. <laughs> I mean, if you know what's funny, if he played for the Rangers, his cards would probably be 3X where they are right yeah. now. If he played yeah. for, you know, a different team. But he is unbelievable. Yeah, and but I, the, the, the Rangers' young guns cards, they keep – they're going down. <laughs> Rangers – I mean, the Rangers one day, they'll – they'll the whatever, 96. Or it's, yeah, it's only get me started on that one. So Yeah, yeah. So, so we're almost in an hour, but I want to, I want to, talk I'll go, about, I'll go all night, Ken. You know, you prompted your audience maybe for a, a session here. So, yeah, yeah. I want to talk so about many stories too. I want to talk about this Kobe uh, autograph. Uh, oh, yeah. You got, you got to tell this story. So, boy. So, my brother, uh, he worked as an executive producer for a very large TV show. You can look up uh, my name and figure out all that information. Very, very big show, which is no longer airing. Um, and you name the famous person, they booked them. Uh, one of the longest, maybe not now, but when it was running, one of the more popular, most popular TV show, daytime TV shows. And Kobe was on his retirement tour. And my brother was an executive producer. And he they were passing out. Nike had these posters where... Kobe had his wings spread walking away and they made it for him. And there's a, like a, you know, you can't ask these folks for autographs at these things. Even if you're an, a producer, you just can't, I don't know why. And my brother's not into this stuff. He's not into sports cards, autographs. He could care less. He asked Kobe to sign it. And I have it downstairs. I wish I knew we were going to talk about it ahead of time. I would have dug it out. He signed this poster, which is the size of a window. And it's the autograph is, the size, I mean, I put my forearm up to it. It is the size of my forearm to my wrist. I mean, it's the largest Kobe Bryant autograph I've ever seen. It's since been JSA certed and, and everything's great. I would never take an offer on it. Um, I couldn't, but uh, I mean, I could, but tell your listeners, they have, I guess, the right amount of money we can always negotiate. Yeah. But, and yeah, it's a one of a kind, right? One I mean, of a kind, yeah, one of a kind. And uh, that poster, you could buy that poster on eBay, I think, for 20 bucks, but you can't get it with Kobe's autograph. And he yeah. sent it to me. I had it in the tube for years. And then when I got back in the hobby, I started authenticating things I own. I mean, Jim Brown helmets and Joe Namath stuff that sitting, sitting in a box. Aaron Rodgers, autograph footballs, Drew Brees. Um, some wild stuff, Ken. Yeah. It's all out there. And 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 you're you're super excited now, Mr. Jet. You're a big Jets fan. I mean, you and, know, all weekend long, all I heard was were you singing J E T S Jets Jets Jets. What I was gonna say to you is typical Jets, you know, fan will say we're gonna win like seven games this year. But honestly, like if the Jets just give me something, just. <laughs> Can we just have a conversation about our team in December when we're not talking about who we're going to draft in April? Yeah. Like, I'm happy. Make the playoffs. Get your teeth kicked in. And I, by the way, it has nothing to do with sports cards. Anybody ever 
says that they don't think all roads go through Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, I don't care. I mean, I'm not like one of these guys who sits at home and fantasies. I don't know like football stats and things like that, but Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. And, you know, if you want to win a Super Bowl, he either needs to get knocked out of the lineup or you got to get lucky because he's that good at to me. Yeah. Go buy your Patrick Mahomes cards, folks, because he's for real. Yeah. And he's got, he's got a great supporting cast. He is a great coach. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's like a perfect storm down there in Kansas city. And look, I've been a Kansas city chief fan my whole life. And, and, I lived with Patriots fans for, you know, that on and on and on about the Patriots. And when, you know, Patrick Mahomes came and I would go up, I was at the game, that Sunday night game up at, uh, up at, with the Patriots here up in New England, where we went to overtime. I was like 40, 40 and overtime. Oh my God. Lost, right. And then there, then there was the AFC championship game that we got knocked out. So you know what? It's it's like when the Chiefs could win, I'm 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 celebrating. We never catch a break, man. I mean, I remember the year after the Jets lost to the I mean, my two, by the way, my favorite Jet of all time, I get this all the time, is Braylon Edwards and why? Because he caught that pass going down the sideline against the Colts in the AFC playoff game and then ended up kicking it anyway. I love Braylon Edwards. But um the year after they lost the game because my second most hated Jet fumbled the ball inside the 10, going into the Broncos end zone, trying to get a first down, Keith Byers. And uh, thank you, Keith, if he's a listener. I still, he's a big, probably a big dude, so I don't want to mess with him. Um, the next season, I remember going to the home opener. I had season tickets for the Jets. Section 304, row three, great section. And Vinny Testaverde tears his Achilles. And the place goes absolutely silent. Now, Tom Tupa comes in the game, the punter, who was also like a backup quarterback. And I don't know how many plays, maybe the next play, two plays, I don't remember, but he proceeds to throw a ball to the back of the end zone that gets caught. And I don't know if it was Coles or Corbett. I want to say it was Coles, Laverne's Coles. The place you would have thought the building was going to blow off of the ground. <laughs> the place erupted. I mean, the Jets ended up getting thumped. What we go? One in 15 that season. Yeah. But for like a minute, Tom Tupa threw that touchdown. I think every Jets fan in that stadium thought, oh, we're fine. And then I, I don't know the final score of that game. We can go look it up. But I don't think the yeah. Jets scored many more points that day. Yeah. And that was the. That was the highlight of the season, right? Was it the Rick Meyer, Ray Lucas, Tom Tupa. I, who was the quarterback? I mean, man. Quincy hey. Carter. Quincy Carter played for a couple snaps there, too. Hey, uh, Chiefs are coming to uh, play the Jets this year. You should get tickets for us. We'll go together. My wife is actually a ticket broker, believe it or not. Well, there you we go. should go to that game. She's a ticket broker. She's a big U.S. Open. She she who brought you the uh, the, the nice cold drink a few minutes she ago? She brought me a cold lemonade on ice. <laughs> I've been uh, not allowed to be drinking caffeine as much lately. So as you uh, can tell, caffeine so, would probably... So you're substituting with sugar? <laughs> yeah, so just sugar instead of caffeine. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. It all works the same. All right, man. We're at an hour. We're gonna uh, we're gonna bring it to an end. Tell people uh, where they can find you if they want to reach out to you and make you an offer on that that Kobe or anything right. else. Outlaws underscore sports underscore cards on Instagram. I uh, I love the hobby. So anyone out there just want to just message me and say hi. I mean, I love to talk. Show me pictures of cards. I like looking at them. You want to sell me cards? We can, you know give Ken a lesson on how to buy cards when you sell them to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? I have my guys selling the cards to you now. And uh... you know what, Ken, I would not be surprised if an hour after posting this, I'm going to do a deal with one of your listeners and we'll make sure we post it right in chat and we can then go through the next week. If you want, yeah. um, how we did that for you and show you on your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll do that. Thanks for having me. Ken. Yeah. It's really awesome. Anything yeah. I appreciate you coming on, Brad. This, this, this was fun. And uh, we're definitely going to get you back on again. I know, sure. I know you, I, I, I know you have tons more stories. Look, I even had, look, I even had this next to me. This is the, the you reference money. This is actually a real dollar that I had signed by, by who? Coach. This was Lee Trevino. He yelled at me because I was at the, there was a Cadillac open. One more story. Cadillac open in Clifton. They used to have the pro-ams, and he was signing. And I didn't have anything for him to sign, so I reached in my pocket. I was 13 years old. It was a dollar bill. 
he stopped and he turned and he goes, who the F gave me this? And I scared, I held it up and I said, it was me. And he goes, next time, kid, you better bring me an F and 50. And he signed it. <laughs> Always thinking though, right? Yeah. yeah. Always thinking. Trying. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, a little quick, little funny story before you go about a kid who played hockey. He gets it goes to this elite camp in Boston, right? Bobby Orr, Mike Ruzioni. They, they oh, yeah. this elite camp that they have. And and he's he, you know, Bobby Orr is gonna audit, you know, sign things for them. And he's a Ranger fan, so he shows up with his Ranger hat on. He's got nothing else, and he hands his Ranger hat to Bobby Orr. And Bobby Orr is like, Are you kidding me? You're giving me a Ranger hat to sign? He goes, You you don't have anything else for me to sign. So you know, the next year he gets invited to that camp. I got three 1967, 68, 69 Sports Illustrated magazines from the autograph. I got two Bobby Orr rookie cars from the He showed up at all. He goes, he goes, wait a minute. Aren't you the kid that came with the Rangers hat last year? He goes, where, where did all this stuff come from? Got smart. Got smart. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll, Thanks, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, kid. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please like, definitely subscribe. And most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. Until next time, take care of yourselves and everyone around you. Take care, Brad.